Hello and welcome to The Genius Podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle, and I would like to invite you to join me and countless other Catholic women as we not only discover our own genius, but we own it, and then we bring it as a gift to the world and the people we do life with. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called The Genius Project. The Genius Project is dedicated to helping Catholic women discover their unique genius, what it is they are called to do with their gifts and their life. I hope and pray that you will come away inspired and as St. Catherine of Siena said, set the world ablaze with your genius. I am so excited to bring you something really special this week. I am involved with Sisterhood, which is a national Catholic women's movement. We host Australia's main National Catholic Women's Conference, as well as support women to form Sisterhood Connect groups. These groups are made up of approximately five to seven women who meet on a regular basis in someone's home, and they are a beautiful place of support, formation, and prayer. This year, we were four days off hosting our national conference when the world went into lockdown. This left so many women ready to be spiritually fed at the conference, but not able to attend the event. With the COVID shutdown, so many women expressed feeling really isolated and they expressed a deep need for connection despite social distancing. So the Sisterhood Movement set up virtual Sisterhood Connect groups for women right around the country. And we decided to do a book study on Father Jacques Philippe's book, Searching For and Maintaining Inner Peace. Women met online once a fortnight and worked through the book. We produced a beautiful PDF journal for them to go deeper in their personal prayer time, as well as a podcast which unpacked each chapter. It is this podcast that I am so excited to share with you through the Genius Project. For six podcasts, I am joined by Therese Nichols, a female Catholic entrepreneur and founder of One Plate, as well as Sister Mary Helen, a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia, Nashville, Tennessee. These two women are incredibly special and have been a really important part of my journey. You will see and experience their beautiful heart through our conversation. We had such a blessed time recording these conversations and we really hope and pray that they will be a blessing to you. It's so fantastic to have both of you on the podcast with me and I'm really looking forward to our journey over the next six weeks as we unpack this beautiful book, Father Jacques Philippe, Searching for and Maintaining Inner Peace. I just think it's just so full of so many nuggets of gold and wisdom and spiritual truth bombs. I know when I read it for the first time six years ago, I think I might have spent like an hour in adoration on one sentence, just meditating on one sentence. So I'm really excited um, about the conversation that we're going to have together, particularly today as we kick off. Well, I just think this is such a treat for me and I'm really looking forward to unpacking this book with you both over the next few weeks. I know it's going to be a huge blessing for the women doing the virtual online Sisterhood Connect groups. But there's a little bit of me that's a bit selfish because I just love talking to both of you. So to have the opportunity to catch up and to talk about one of our favourite books is a real blessing. I know, Therese, you're a bit of a Father Jacques Philippe junkie, aren't you? Oh, yes. I love Father Jacques Philippe's writings. I actually discovered Father Jacques Oh, six or seven years ago while I was on a sabbatical in Italy and France and I 
ended up reading all of his books, but in particular, Searching for Maintaining Peace really stood out for me. And I just find it this treasure chest of this amazing, amazing wisdom. And I think Father Jacques Philippe has this extraordinary ability to be able to really um, open up for us these deep ancient truths and wisdom mm-hmm. um, into the practical, into everyday modern examples and bringing this ancient beautiful wisdom to life for us to live. So it's been a blessing to be able to read his books over the years and to really be able to delve into searching for a maintaining peace again. Like I remember coming across it actually for the first time at a retreat that the Dominican sisters ran at Barrel. I think it was about six years ago. And I remember you gave a talk, sister, on interior freedom and and we'll unpack this as we journey together. But it was such a powerful talk and it's always stayed with me. And from there I read more of his books and honestly, like you said, like there's so much power and truth contained in this little tiny book. I really encourage the women to to carve out time and space, not read it on the fly, but to really sit with it. Because I I know it's had so much power in my own life and reading parts of it in adoration has just brought so much transformation. I find in this book that there's just so many spiritual truths and we just have to, you know, you read through them slowly and just sit with them, let them sink in. And then maybe later down the road, we have these truths in us ready for when the rubber hits the road and we have that, that truth then to draw on. I think, you know, and a, a scripture and one of the principles of life I love is you reap what you sow. And what you're saying, sister, is we can either sow a feast or a famine into our lives by what we choose to give our time to, what we choose to to read. And I think we're really sowing a feast into our life when we are reading this book and storing it. For when we need it. So I'm interested in what really resonated with you because in this first episode, we're looking at points one, two, three, and four of part one of his book. And I'm just wondering what resonated with each of you when you read this part? Yeah, I think um, as a Dominican, you know, you see the beginning as the most important and the beginning of the book is without me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really um, powerful. Yeah. Those lines of, you know, without me, you can do nothing. But then at the same time, with him, everything is possible. So just that relationship between those two. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. I know. What about you, Therese? What what did, resonated the most with you in this chapter? Something that really resonated with me was when Father Jacques Philippe is talking about the lake, mm-hmm. when he uh, asks us to consider the surface of the lake, Uh, above which the sun's shining and if the surface of the lake is peaceful and tranquil the sun will be reflected in this lake and the more peaceful the lake the more perfectly the sun is reflected but then he talks on the contrary that if the surface of the lake is agitated then the image of the sun can't be reflected in it and he goes on to say that's like our soul in regards to in our relationship with God and the more our soul is peaceful and tranquil, the more God is reflected Mm. in it, the more his image is expressed in us Mm. and the more, in fact, that his grace acts through us. But if our souls agitate it and trouble, the grace of God is able to act only but with so much more greater difficulty. Mm. And that really struck me and I think for so 
many of us, all of us, we have these moments where the lake of our soul is agitated and up and down and times where we're at peace and we can uh, we, we can see God within our lives working. We can see and feel that grace, but others can see God within us and can see um, the grace of God flowing through us and that peace of our soul. And I think it's um, it's beautiful because when our soul is at peace, we are able to have a deeper connection with God, but we're also able to bring peace to others and mm-hmm. we give permission to others to be at peace. We come into a room when our soul is at peace and suddenly others in that room who might have been agitated, they too feel that peace and it becomes this gift of peace that we bring to others through our own soul being at peace and still. And it's very much linked to that stillness, isn't it? Be still and know that I'm God. And we can have so much going on all around us and um, crazy things happening. But if we can just be still in our soul and know that he is God, then we receive the peace from God and we're able to give that peace to others. I was just thinking, um, Therese, about what you were saying about bringing peace. And just what's coming to mind as you were speaking was um, all of the letters of the New Testament and how many of them begin with, um, you know, peace be with you. Um, as and how that's really remarkable that all of them. That's the standard greeting. The standard Christian greeting is peace. Um, and the treasure that 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 gift of Christ's peace is um, mm-hmm. that we want. That that's what you want to bring into someone's home. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it just that was as striking me as you were speaking. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just, I think he also picks up on that the goal of the spiritual life is to to discover in our souls the condition in which God can act in peace. And I really liked that, that there's an onus on us there to do some work, to discover the conditions. What is it that we can do? And like you said, Therese, I love that image as well of the lake reflecting the image of God and, and like our souls, like the more our soul is peaceful, the more God's able to be reflected in us. I just think it's so powerful. But like what, you know, what can we do? These are great theories and I often like to see how they can be lived out in the everyday, you know, the day in, the day out of our lives because the reality is we face some tough stuff. Like life is not easygoing. I think in my early 20s I had this notion that, you know, you would – grow up, you go to university, you might travel, you get married, you have children, and then it's la-di-da, you're often sailing. <laughs> and it's like you reach your 40s and you're like, life is just not like that. I don't know where that idea even came from. Probably Time Warner and Hollywood had a lot to do with that. But, you know, like life is just full of these ups and downs. And I think we can often see those ups and downs as obstacles that prevent us from being happy or reaching fulfillment or finding peace, whatever it is. But I actually think, and and he talks about this, that those obstacles are often an invitation, aren't they? Like they're an invitation to, to trust. They're an invitation to be transformed more and more into his likeness. And I think that when we do face, I know that I try to apply this, not, not always perfectly, 
But I think my attitude when I face struggle or difficulty is, okay, how can I grow in this? How can God's image and his glory be revealed? What is he trying to teach me? On that, without me, you can do nothing. Uh, this, he mentions at some, often we have to get to that truth through experience. <laughs> and it's something that sort of happened to me at the end of last year. Uh, very ridiculous. Teaching is a very dangerous profession. So I was just, <laughs> just walking into school and fell flat on my face and um, broke everything. No, I just broke my right just. knee and my ankle. <laughs> yep. So completely ridiculous. Mm. Um, but so I went from, being very capable of doing everything for myself to yeah. being able to do nothing, mm. actually do nothing um, for a long time, uh, mm. months. And, and it was really interesting because it came straight out of nowhere. Um, immediately my question to the Lord is, wow, what are you up to? Mm. And he did give me a, quite a piece in the moment um, to just sort of be watching from outside what was going on in a way of just sort of, wow, what is going on? What are you saying? Mm. Um, and what was fascinating was I noticed because I couldn't do what I normally did, I could see the um, barriers that in my normal life that I had put up to grace. So, you know, and it sort of sort of fell in two places, like one of of all the things that I thought I had control of in my normal life, you know, just being able to go and get things and do things mm. and do things a certain way. And now I'm watching people around me do things in a way that I just wouldn't do them, or, <laughs> you know. Um, so everyone's doing the things their way and you're just like, okay, whatever, as long as it gets done. Surrender. Then, <laughs> surrender. <laughs> yeah, so that was like one area of, I guess, you'd put, brackets around so many little, tiny, silly, irrelevant things but that I had control of. So that was interesting. And the other part was just even just the physical closeness of, um, as a sister, you know, we don't, we're not really physically yes. close to people anyway, but there was a extra borders and mm. you could see because everyone had to cross them, um, just opening that out of just accepting the care um you could see as well like wow there's a whole avenue of grace I think in both of those two places for me that I was like wow I did I had no idea Mm. that I was blocking grace and I think when Jacques Philippe he says in this line um I think it's on page four he says how can I permit the grace of God to freely operate in my life I think the experience of without him we can do nothing awoke you know showed me where are the barriers to that Mm. Mm. that's so beautiful Mm. yeah it's very humbling isn't it like we have to become so vulnerable to realize our powerlessness (laughs) like it's it's very humbling sometimes humiliating to get to that point and I, I know, sister, your accident happened. I think a week after my husband Jonathan's accident yes. happened. So uh-huh. my, you broke both your legs. He broke both of his arms. <laughs> and and similar to you, like flip side of the coin, like you had the experience of being on the receiving end of literally 
physically having nothing and, and people having to step in to care for you. Whereas my experience as Jonathan's wife was he shattered both his wrists when he rolled a bobcat down our very steep driveway and split his head open and he didn't just break them, like completely obliterated both of them. And so he couldn't shower or wash or dress or do anything for himself for like two months. And so my experience was being the person who was giving that care and mm-hmm. and also having to carry so much like we mm-hmm. we have our own business and it was the busiest time of the year we have three children under 12 plus caring not only doing the practical things for him but running him to all of his appointments and there were many and the experience for me of being powerless in like whoa this is so much to carry but really mm-hmm. praying for the grace and you know god just came through i mean there were so many people praying for us but like there was this abundance of grace and it was such a beautiful gift to be able to love him. We've been married 19 years, but for me there was such joy actually in that time of really being able to love him and care for him. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of, it's the experience of being the giver of the gift and then also receiving that gift and that we, for both of those situations, really needing God's grace. Yeah. And seeing it so clearly. Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and realising what's important in life. I think mm. these experiences, you know, really, like you said, awaken within us the truth of, of our lives. And I love that quote that he says, in, I can't remember early on in the book, we often have to experience, <laughs> so we have to, unfortunately, there's mm. no choice, <laughs> But we often have to experience failures, trials, humiliations permitted by God before this truth imposes itself on us. And I I was really reflecting these past couple of weeks on that particular sentence that we often have to, which implies they are necessary, they are permitted by God before the truth imposes on us. Now, I I think that word imposes to me (laughs) implies force. And so something that's forceful is actually not a nice thing normally, but it doesn't mean that it's not good for us in this situation. And I think, you know, Jonathan has a great saying. He said, we either learn in life by a gentle word or a piece of two by four, like a piece (laughs) of timber hitting us over the head time and time again until we get the message. And I don't know about either of you, but so often I get frustrated because I find myself back in the same place. (laughs) I find Mm. myself, you know, going through a trial and learning and praying and receiving grace. And then, you know, six months later, I might go through a different trial, but I'm back at square one trying to learn those same lessons again. It seems like you're back in square one, but you're really... It does. Give us some spiritual wisdom, sister. (laughs) I think he goes on to say that God would spare us if he could all of these trials, but they are necessary in order that we should be convinced of our complete powerlessness. And he goes on to talk about St. Therese of Lisieux saying the best thing God could have done for her was to show her her smallness. And I think these experiences that we all face, I mean, being over 40 and walking with so many different people, I've realised that all of us, every single one, no matter what age, stage, vocation, we all face trials. They just look a little bit different for different people. 
And I think it's interesting, particularly the time that we're all living at the moment um, with COVID-19. Everybody is facing completely different trials. We're all um, experiencing a similar thing, but um, people are suffering in different ways, whether it's financial work, uh, homeschooling, (laughs) whatever it might be. Everyone's got their particular trial, but um, it's been forced upon us. And it's interesting what you're saying, Karen, through these trials, sufferings and failures, how it teaches us ultimately that we are powerless and that God is powerful and in control. And then suddenly that puts us in this place to receive. And, Hmm. uh, you know, without me, you can do nothing. I think that's, as we said, you mentioned before, that's the absolute key to acquire and maintain that peace because we suddenly realise that our life is a total gift and we are completely dependent on God. But when we know that God is for us, that he's trustworthy, that we can depend on God and his great love for us, then we can be in that state of receptivity to receive his peace. And so that when we um, experience failures and sufferings and trials, knowing that God is powerful and in control, we can maintain that peace and that peace that the world can't understand. And I just, I think it's so interesting, particularly in this time, there's um, so many podcasts and YouTube clips coming out from um, self-help gurus all over the world of how to have peace during this time (laughs) um, of COVID-19. And everyone is seeking this peace and they're looking, you know, whether it's meditation and yoga and all sorts of different things, but knowing that we can receive our peace from the true peace from God gives us that deeper peace that no matter what comes our way, that we can remain um, deeply connected in that peace. And because the question is not, will we struggle? Will we suffer? Will we have trials in our life? Because we know the answer, of course, that's life. We're following in the footsteps of Christ. Our life until death, we, there will always be trials. There'll always be some sort of suffering. Um, the question is, will we look to God in those times and cling to him and know that he is all powerful and know that we can do nothing without him? And yeah. so in a way, the daily practice of peace is actually the daily practice of accepting and surrendering to God. Exactly. I think that that, that disposition of openness um, is what allows us to experience God's grace and to experience things as gift. And so all those other things that we do that close off in any way um, yeah. from others, from God, from <laughs> any, any closing um, hardens hardens us against experiencing the goodness that that God is, you know. (laughs) Therese, you picked up on this idea around that we can have confidence in in peace if we're leaning into Jesus. And we know that in Scripture it says that Christ, you know, has won all these battles already for us. And another part of this chapter that Father Jacques-Philippe looks at is this idea that our lives are actually part of this huge cosmic battle for the soul. Many years ago, I read, um, I don't know whether you've read the books by Frank Peretti, Piercing the Darkness. Yes, and this I present love that. Darkness. Yeah, like I really recommend. Just those first two. Yeah. Yes. Well, they're so good because what they do is, it's, it, for those people who haven't heard of him, he's telling the story of just people in their everyday life. So there's a media company and there's politicians and there's a family and there's all of this stuff happening on the earth 
with between these people and their interactions, but he's simultaneously telling the story of what's happening in the spiritual realm between the angels and the demons for these people trying to win their souls for good or evil. I really love this novel by Frank Peretti because what it does is it elevates our perspective from focusing on the everyday mess of our life or the struggle or whatever it is and it elevates our gaze up towards heaven to see that our lives and everything that is happening in our lives is happening behind a much bigger backdrop and a bigger story. And Mm. this is what he talks about. He said the reality of the spiritual life is that it is a spiritual combat of war Mm. and Mm. a war that is without mercy. But, Therese, like you were saying, we should have full confidence that Christ has already won this battle for us. Um, It's a battle not against, you know, human enemies, but it's against the evil and the cosmic forces that seek to derail us so that we don't experience, I guess, God's plan, that we don't reveal his image on this earth through our lives. And it's very, very powerful. Yeah, I think um, as well in that battle where I see it most often is um, probably we most experience it. I'm teaching teenagers all day, but the battle in of our minds and our thinking, and uh, Jacques Philippe's very good because he talks about the peace being based on the word of of Christ, who is the true one. Mm. Um, And so, if it's based on God's word, uh, that's stable. It's rock. It's not. It's true. Like so, there's no reason ever to lose our peace. And I think that being able to give um, students or other people I'm working with um, the word of God that pierces through this battle that goes on in our minds um, Mm. to take something true and just cut through the lie um, and feed our souls with the truth. And he says, he goes on to say, you know, like you said, that the first goal of spiritual combat is not always to obtain a victory over the temptation or the weakness, Mm -hmm. but rather to learn to maintain our peace of heart in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in both of your perspectives on this because, like, it's a nice idea. (laughs) Like, it's a nice (laughs) idea. And, yes, we need to practice it when we're overcoming negative thoughts and when we're dealing with children who won't sit down and do homeschooling or whatever, (laughs) teenagers in the classroom or business plans that aren't going accordingly. But how do you actually do this when you're faced with like real stuff, like really big stuff, like grief and trauma, death and cancer? Like how do you maintain that peace in the midst of what is objectively tragic circumstances? Something that I've been really inspired by over these last few months, and I cannot stop thinking about it, but it's the lived inspiration and example of a couple who have gone through one of the most tragic things that I've heard of recently. And that couple is Leela and Danny Abdullah. And yeah, some of you might um, have heard of them. So this couple, they lost three of their children uh, in an accident in February when a drunk driver um, killed their three children and another girl, their cousin. And seeing the lived example of this couple, the parents of these three children who died immediately at the scene, they, they're strong, faithful Catholics. 
but just seeing that absolutely devastated and still grieving, but seeing their calmness and their incredible peace amidst this great suffering Mm -hmm. is extraordinary. And it's because of their rock solid faith. And no doubt that they are going through, like they are carrying their cross. Like I can't even imagine it would be such a heavy cross, but I've, I've seen some of their interviews and um, they recently did an interview a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night and just seeing their faith through this and the way they have clung to prayer and the peace that comes through that is extraordinary. And I think it goes back to what we were saying before about um, we know how the story ends. We know that Christ has conquered the world. We know where we're heading towards. We know that heaven is the goal. And we, we know how it ends, that it is in heaven. And you can see this, um, we, I can see this lived through in the life of Leela and Danny in this sense of this great grief and suffering. Yet at the same time, there's this joy and peace because of their faith mm-hmm. and they know where they're heading. And there's a quote in Father Jacques' book um, in this first section where he says, it is, it is exactly this interior peace which permits him to fight, not with his own strength, which would be quickly exhausted, but with the strength of God. And I can just see through this lived example of this young couple who have lost three of their children that through um, their reliance on the strength of God and through their deep prayer, they're able to overcome this this spiritual combat where it would be easy for the devil to get in and um, crush them in their grief, yet through holding on to their faith, it unlocks peace, which unlocks this joy that actually the world cannot understand from a worldly human point of view. It's hard for us to even comprehend. For me, like it just, the foundation, it is just, it's prayer. It's holding on to that faith constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was speaking to a priest who's um, good friends with them, that couple. And he was just saying that this, their ability to do that in the moment, in a, in a tragic moment has come from years of fidelity. Because mm. um, in a second, in a tragic moment, you know, you can't change who you are in the moment. <laughs> mm. You are who you are. So and then that, that investment that has been made, all the little daily yeses to God, yeses to grace, allow God to step in um, and, and lead <laughs> in those big mm. moments when you just surrender. So, like, it's all those little acts of faith in God is good and there is nothing that can happen in my life um, that God cannot use for my, for my salvation and the salvation of others. Like there's, there is not, if we come to that um, belief in true faith that God ultimately is good, always good, then I can relax and, and know that there is a good in the middle of the most tragic thing. Yeah, but it, that comes in little the little steps of every day. Yes, I love that, Sister Mary Helen, because I see that over and over in the persecuted Christians, and especially the stories that have been coming out of the Middle East over the last few years of these Christians who are dying for their faith. Mm. That it is they just didn't suddenly declare um, Jesus as Lord and die in that moment. It was all the little moments of prayer, the thousands of rosaries, the thousands of holy hours in the years 
that went by um, previously that got them to that moment where they could stand and declare their faith in God. And for me, there's this um, quote that somebody said to me years ago that I absolutely love. It's it's a bit of a funny one, but it's I just love it. It's you can't fatten a cow on market day. And <laughs> yes, like that. true. <laughs> That's a good one. I know. It's always stuck with me. Um, I love it. At the end of the day, like you can't just get a cow and suddenly <laughs> fatten it on market day to sell that that cow it's the it's the years it's the days the weeks the hours that's gone into that cow ready to sell for market day and it's like our souls that suddenly we can't just click our fingers it's yeah the thousands of hours of um with prayer and the things that are being offered up um and everybody's in different circumstances in different seasons some people do have the opportunity to pray for um hours every day and some are in a season where they've got little ones where being able to sit down on the couch for five minutes a day is a victory. <laughs> but, um, it's offering our day as a, as a whole prayer to God yeah. um, and using those moments of yeah. even the moments of the suffering of not being able to pray as long as yes. we yes. want actually is, um, is, all a, is a beautiful prayer within itself. Yes. Yeah. There's one little reflection I have had when I was sitting in bed for a couple of months um was <laughs> I've got all this time time so much time <laughs> and um I remember just thinking the value of seconds and it sort of comes to play here because really important incredibly important things happen in seconds where you don't have time to fatten the cow right mm-hmm. um, but but the preparation for them also happens in seconds it's just mm-hmm. this it's the little yeses, the little opennesses to others, to God. Um, yeah, just that yes. I mean, I think, you know, Our Lady Fiat, um, our Lord said the same thing, Fiat. Uh, all, every yes that happens in, in the little second of now prepares us for those momentous seconds that happen, mm. you know, when that's, God knows. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. It's so beautiful. And I think that is a really good challenge to put out there to all of the women listening to this for this coming week. I like to give people something to go home with, to do, to put into practice, something that's really practical. And I think that's it, sister. It's just that challenge. So, you know, how will we say yes in the little ways this week? Yes to the Lord, yes to my smallness, yes to his grace, yes to my powerlessness, yes to his peace, yes to having confidence um, in the fact that he's already won this battle for us, but just to say yes. And I think it's mm. it's really, uh, really encourage women to just be very intentional. Like you said, I like the word little yeses, the little yeses that we need to make and I think that's, yeah, it's really beautiful. I hope and pray that conversation was a real blessing to you. And I really encourage you to take some time before the Blessed Sacrament and allow the truths contained in this little book to really penetrate your heart and your soul. If you are interested in a copy of the PDF journal for each episode, head on over to The Genius Project, www.geniusproject.co and fill out the form on the podcast page. Don't forget your challenge of the week. And until next week, God bless you and have a beautiful week.